You're listening to The Vine Podcast, episode number 27. In today's episode, I'm going over what should be on the homepage of your food blog. This page is a huge part of your website and one that is often overlooked. Even though a small percentage of your traffic may go to your homepage, it's a critical part of your website and one that can turn random site visitors into your loyal fans. You love the time you get to spend creating content on your blog and connecting with your audience. But building a brand and working on your website, that's where it can feel overwhelming. With all of the lists out there of everything that you should do, sometimes you just feel like giving up. But friends, there's a better way. When you spend time strategically thinking about your blog, you'll discover what is essential to build a successful and sustainable business and what's not. I'm your host, Madison Weatherill, a WordPress web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers. I'm here to help you think strategically about the brand you're building, connect with your ideal audience, and ultimately convert them into raving fans, the ones who actually make your recipes, interact with you, and make this whole food blogging journey worth it. It's time to design a business you love and remember why you started a blog in the first place. Welcome back to another episode, friends. I hope that you are hanging in there, and I'm really excited to be diving into this next little mini-series where I'm going to be diving into specific pages on your website and what types of content you need to have on those pages. But before we jump in, if you are new to this podcast, I just want to say welcome, and I'm so glad that you have found this podcast somehow. I want to remind you to go ahead and subscribe if you like this podcast and you want to make sure that you never miss an episode. My name is Madison Weatherill, and I am the web designer and branding strategist behind Grace and Vine Studios, a studio built for food bloggers just like you. If you are considering a rebrand this year or you're in need of design support, I would love to chat with you about how we can work together. You can always find more information about my different design services by visiting graceandvinestudios.com or sending me an email anytime at hello at graceandvinestudios.com. So let's dive into today's topic, which is all about designing your homepage for your food blog. So first, I want to address the question, what should your homepage do? Let's think about why someone lands on your homepage. More than likely, they're not coming directly from Google to your homepage or landing there directly unless they are a return user. So that means that they may have already been to your site once or twice before, or it might even be the third or fourth page of your website that they are visiting. With that in mind, your homepage really should tell a story, and it should tell your brand story specifically. When someone comes to your homepage, they're looking to get more information about your website and what it's all about. Now, that might not be a conscious thought, but the core of the reason that they are landing there is because they're looking for more. More blog posts, more information, and more of your story. Your homepage should tell your brand story and also provide a space where people can easily find the information that they're looking for. Now, here are a quick few mistakes that I see being made when it comes to homepages in our food blogging industry specifically. The first is displaying only your most recent posts. The second is making your homepage really impersonal. Third is not giving a clear call to action. The fourth is not utilizing your brand messaging voice. And the last is creating a poor user experience. Now, I always hesitate to list out mistakes like that because I know some of you may have some of those problems with your homepage, but I wanted to start there to give you some ideas of things that you can improve on, and I'm going to give you specific tactics for creating a better user experience and really showcasing that brand story throughout your homepage. 
So I want to begin with a few quick overview points about your homepage and what I'm talking about when I say your homepage, if you're not exactly sure what I mean. So I am not talking about the blog page of your website, which would be the page template for your theme that showcases all of your most recent posts. Typically that page is going to have a sidebar and it's literally just going to be usually your featured image, your blog post title, and an excerpt. Some blog themes have different styles of this blog page, but that's not the page that I'm talking about. The page that I am talking about is more of a strategic and designed homepage that is not going to showcase just your most recent content, but it's going to be designed using different content areas to really provide a holistic look at what your site is, who you are, and what someone can really expect when they are on your website. So one question that I get pretty often is whether or not your homepage should have a sidebar. I really think this is a completely aesthetic choice. I don't really feel like there is a 100% right answer for this. It really is going to depend on what you're looking for in terms of design and also possibly what your users are asking you for or what your audience needs. I want you to remember that on mobile, your sidebar doesn't show until the very bottom of the page after the rest of the content. So this really is a question that only applies when you're considering how your website is used on a desktop computer or sometimes a tablet depending on the size of the screen. The sidebar does give you extra real estate space, but with a homepage, you really have the option to display a lot of the same content that you might put on your homepage within the homepage itself, whether or not that's on desktop or mobile. So really the sidebar might have some duplicate content from some of these examples that we're going to talk about later of things that should be on your homepage. So that's something really important to consider when you are designing your homepage is, is there going to be overlap in what might already be on your sidebar and what's going to be on your homepage? And that may help you to decide if you're going to use a full width layout or one with a sidebar. Personally, I like to have at least some of the homepage full width. Now, a lot of themes have the option for full width sections before the content in sidebar section begins, but in some themes, you're going to have to use a full width layout or remain having the homepage have the sidebar throughout the entire thing. And that is just the nature of some pre-made themes and how they are set up you naturally are going to have more room for content when things are full width. And again, just to mention this one more time, that sidebars don't display on mobile. And I am a big proponent that your desktop site and your mobile site should really be the same effectiveness when it comes to your design. That doesn't mean that they're going to look the exact same and you definitely want to be considering mobile first, but don't forget that there are still a large portion of your readers who are using your site on desktop as well. So we don't want to completely only consider one part of this design aspect. We really want to consider both mobile and desktop when we are talking about these things. And the other quick note that I want to make about whether or not you should have a sidebar on your homepage is that if you are running ads, you definitely want to talk to your ad network provider about where you can place ads if you choose not to have a sidebar on your homepage. Because if you go full width with your layout, you're going to have to have them place ads in different places, especially if you really utilize your sidebar for ads and potentially make a lot of your ad income from those sidebar ads. But remember that a very small percentage of people are coming to your homepage, so by not having a sidebar on that page, you are not necessarily going to tank your ad income by not having some of those normal ads that would be on your sidebar. And they can easily be displaced in other areas on your site if you just talk to your ad network provider. 
Okay, so let's dig into what elements should your homepage have. And this is going to be, again, regardless of whether you have a homepage with a sidebar or not, your homepage is going to have these elements as part of the main content in addition to some of these elements also potentially being on your sidebar on other pages. And one key thing to mention here is that food blogs tend to have relatively thin content on their homepage, meaning that there isn't really a lot of information for Google to crawl. And so these sections that I'm going to mention are going to really help to beef up the content on your homepage, which is going to benefit both your users and from an SEO perspective, help your site be more crawlable with Google. So I want you to first think about what your audience is struggling with and what they need from you. Now, you guys are not going to be surprised that I'm starting here because every time we talk about these things, I always start with what your audience is struggling with and what they need from you. Because until you have that foundation, it's really impossible for you to make strategic decisions about your site design in a way that is going to benefit your users. You're likely just going to pick things that you might like or styles that you think might work well. But if you don't know what your users want from you, it's going to be really difficult for you to make these decisions and be able to confidently stick with them. So depending on what it is that your audience is struggling with, you want to make sure that your homepage really conveys that. This is how you're going to make your homepage beneficial to your readers. So if you think back to when we first started this episode and I mentioned thinking about how people end up on your homepage in the first place, remember that we talked about how this is often maybe the second or third or fourth page that they are coming to on your site. So maybe they landed on your site from Pinterest and they are hopping around to your category pages or to another blog post, or maybe they come directly from that blog post from Pinterest and they go to your homepage. So they're going to your homepage to find something specific. And they're also going to your homepage to figure out what your site is all about. They might have landed on one recipe and they want to see what other kinds of content you might have. And so your homepage is a perfect opportunity for you to really set the stage of what your expertise is and how you help your audience. So on your homepage, you want to make sure that you're giving your audience the solutions that they're looking for. So that might be specific resources for whatever it is that your audience is struggling with. It may be specific categories of content, or it may be a freebie or a download that you are offering to them. Your homepage, you also want to make sure that it's personal. This is your chance to really connect with this audience who may be new to you and to really hook them in and grab their attention. And part of the way you're going to do that is by showing them who you are and what you do and who you help. And the last thing that I already mentioned a little bit is that you're going to make sure that it's functional on both mobile and desktop. And that is really important to consider. And when you're making these changes, you want to really think through how they are going to look on both types of devices. The idea here with your homepage is really not to give your audience 100 things to click on, which is why I say that having just your most recent posts is not really all that helpful. It's really to give them a preview of what is on the rest of the site. So you're kind of giving them a snapshot view of what is in the other hundreds or thousands of blog posts that might be on your site. You want to give them enough content that they know that they're in the right place, and then you're going to help them find whatever it is that they're looking for. So there are three specific areas that I'm going to cover in terms of what should be on your homepage. And so those are going to be what types of content should be on your homepage, how you can showcase your personality and your brand story, and then finally, how to have a clear call to action. So let's dive into the content that should be on your homepage. 
And this is not necessarily the order that you have to have it in on your homepage. These are just examples of what you should consider having on your homepage, but really consider which order makes the most sense for your audience and aesthetically which order you like the best. I'm not saying that this is the only way that you can do this. So the first little area is going to be your latest posts. And so I really want to dive into really quickly why I don't believe that your homepage should only be your most recent posts. This is obviously an important part of your homepage, and I am not saying that you shouldn't have your latest posts at all, but what I am saying is that it should only be part of your homepage and that there's a lot more that can be added to your homepage to make it a lot more dynamic. So you don't want to have only your latest posts for a few reasons. The first is that your latest posts aren't always the most relevant for somebody who is coming to your site. So you may be in the middle of a little mini series where you are only sharing bread recipes, or maybe it's the holiday season and you're sharing Christmas recipes and the person who comes to your site doesn't celebrate Christmas. And so only having your latest posts makes it difficult for somebody to connect with what might be hidden behind your homepage and the hundreds of blog posts that you might have. However, in terms of user experience, a lot of people come to your homepage specifically looking for those latest posts. So if you don't have them at all, you may also be doing a disservice to your readers. And the other thing is, if you don't have your latest posts, your homepage may not be updated as frequently as it would be if you have your most recent posts showing. So you want to display an even number of your latest posts. And so that could be four, it could be six or eight, but you really want it to be an even number because on mobile, most sites that are using a mobile-friendly theme will change the column width on mobile to be smaller and more appropriate for mobile. So for example, if you have four posts displaying on desktop, it's going to display two rows of two instead on mobile. And so having that even number, make sure that those columns are fully filled out and you're not going to have three where there's two in one row and then one on the next row. So it's also going to depend on what other sections you're going to have later on on the site. Because if you have many categories displaying later, you may want to only show four of your most recent posts or maybe even two of your most recent posts, just depending on your content. It also may depend on how much content you have. If your blog is relatively new, showing four of your most recent blog posts may be half of the content that you have. And so it's important to also remember that this is fluid and you can change these things in the future. But for now, pick anywhere between four and eight of your most recent blog posts to display on your homepage. Okay, the next section of content is going to be your top categories. I want you to think about how you would describe your blog to somebody using only two to three of the categories of content that you have on your blog. So if you had to only choose two or three of those categories to try to represent your blog, what would those be? Those are the categories that you're going to highlight on your blog. Now, I have seen the back end of a lot of food blogs, and I can tell you that most food blogs have anywhere from 10 to 50 categories of content. So I realize that picking two to three or maybe even up to five, depending on how your content works, is going to feel like you are really limiting what you're showing somebody. But again, remember, we're not trying to overwhelm your audience with a hundred things to click on. So you're gonna pick those two to three categories that really highlight the content that you have on your site and you're going to use those as part of the main content that you're displaying on your homepage. 
The next thing that you want to showcase is some of your popular posts. And this is something that you want to be displaying on all of your pages. So you're going to want to use either a widget area in your sidebar or maybe a footer widget depending on how your site is laid out. These should be relatively static. These should not be posts that are changing very often, but posts that really highlight the most popular content on your site. Now you can do this a couple of different ways. You can go into Google Analytics and find which posts are truly the most popular posts on your site, or you can highlight the ones that you sort of want to be the most popular posts. And so for this, I would really pick the posts that really showcase and highlight your blog in a few posts. So that might be posts that are relatively new, but really fit your audience and your brand story in general. The reason that these should be static and aren't going to change very often is that the way that your site is crawled will pick up on these posts being on every single page, which without going too into depth because I am not an SEO expert, basically means that you're giving a lot of weight to these pages. And so having the posts be your true popular posts, potentially that Google is already sending traffic to your site for these posts, is really going to help lift up those posts and then lift up the rest of your site as a whole. That's as far as I'm going to go down the SEO rabbit hole, because again, I am not an SEO expert from my background in web design, but from my understanding of how this all works, this is really important to not change these all the time because then you're not really letting Google see how valuable these posts are to the rest of your content. Okay, let's dive into the personality portion of your homepage. So the first thing that I'm going to mention is I really want to see a photo of you. I see so many bloggers missing this, and I just truly believe if you really want to connect with your audience through your website, you have to have a photo of you, especially if you are showing up on Instagram stories a lot and people are seeing your face on there. It's really important to make sure that you're starting to become recognizable to your audience. There have been so many times where I have wanted to reach out to a blogger and couldn't even find their name or a photo of them to be able to connect with them. So I really think this is a really important aspect of your homepage to really help someone start connecting with you and to build that trust with them. Now, if you don't have brand photos, that is totally okay. You don't have to hire a photographer necessarily to do this. You can use a tripod and a remote shutter or a self-timer in order to take a simple photo that you can use on your website. You can use the self-timer on your phone even because a lot of phone cameras these days are pretty close to a DSLR camera in the first place. The next portion of the personality part of your homepage is going to be your brand messaging. If you are relatively new to this podcast, then you may not have heard episode number three, but I dive all into brand messaging and how to come up with this strategic messaging for your blog and also where you should put it. So if you haven't listened to episode three, definitely go back and listen to that. But as a brief overview of what brand messaging is, it is your beliefs and philosophy about cooking or about the specific types of recipes that you share. It's really going to be you know, if someone asked you why you share the specific type of recipes that you share, the brand messaging would come out in your answer to that question. It's also going to be your story and your background and why you are the person to be sharing this content. 
Now, the brand messaging really should be sprinkled throughout a lot of the other pages on your website, places like your about page and your sidebar, but it's really important to showcase it on your homepage as well because, again, this is really the place where you are laying the foundation for what someone should expect on your site, and so you're really going to be getting them in the right mindset of the type of content that you're going to share, the tips that you're going to give them, and really what they should expect through this brand messaging being front and center on your homepage. So this could be part of the about section on your homepage where you have your photo, could be part of your email freebie if that is really specific and strategic, and it could also be on your about page or a link to your about page on your homepage. And then the last little bit is your tagline. I have an episode all about choosing a tagline for your blog, and that is episode number 19, and I will definitely link in the show notes to both of those episodes that I've mentioned, but you really want your tagline to showcase what makes your blog unique and, again, what someone should expect when they are on your site. So this tagline can be part of your logo, or it can be part of your homepage in another section where you are kind of highlighting that focus of your blog. Let's dive into our last section, which is going to be your call to action. Now, when you think about a call to action, you are really trying to figure out what you want someone to do after they have been on your homepage. The thing that we don't want them to do is to exit out of your site. And so we want to make sure you have a really clear call to action. In last week's episode, episode 26, we talked about setting strategic goals for your blog. And so I really want you to think back to that episode and think about what goal you're working on right now. What area of your food blog are you trying to grow right now? Are you trying to grow your email list? Are you really focusing on niching down and creating specific niched content? Whatever that goal is, you want to make sure your homepage helps you to get people to do whatever it is that you are working on. So this applied a lot when I was working with a lot of clients who were not food bloggers. So, and it's helpful sometimes to think about examples from other industries because sometimes it's hard for us to think beyond what we see everyone else doing. So in other, with other clients that I have worked with, sometimes a call to action might have been to book a strategy call or to purchase a product. And so for food bloggers, you may not be getting your audience to get on the phone with you one-on-one and selling a service that way, or you might not be selling a digital product or a physical product. But what you are doing is trying to capture that lead. And so how do we capture that person? Well, there's a few ways, but the way that I recommend more than any other is to get them on your email list. And I know you've probably heard this a million times, but When someone comes to your site, you have such a small amount of time to really capture them and an email signup form is going to be the easiest way to do that. And this is going to be especially effective if you have designed a strategic freebie for your blog, which we talked about in episode number 11. But basically, if you think back to what your audience is struggling with and what you are trying to help them with, and you create a freebie that is a bite-sized solution to that problem that they're having, you have something that is going to capture that person and already get them to start trusting you and to be connecting with you. If you don't have this clear call to action and you don't have a way for them to sign up for your email list, there's a really good chance that they are going to jump to another page or jump off of your site completely and not sign up for your email list. 
Now, I suggest this over following you on social media simply because the algorithms make it really hard for you to truly capture that lead through social media. I'm not even talking about the fact that you don't own your social media accounts and you might lose those followers at any given time, but what I'm talking about is when you email somebody, you have a much higher chance of actually reaching them than you do when you share an Instagram story and try to reach that person. So this email signup should also be part of your sidebar or your blog post content. So there are going to be multiple places for this email signup. And when I am designing a homepage for a client, I typically have at least two of these email signup forms on their homepage. And they're on different spots, so it's not overkill, but it gives people two different chances to sign up. One is usually for a freebie, and then the other one might just advertise your latest posts and saying something like never miss a recipe, sign up to receive the recipes via email. These aren't two different lists specifically. They might potentially both get your freebie, but it gives people two different options to sign up. It might catch their attention differently because your freebie might not interest them, but maybe they do want to get all of your recipes or vice versa. So if they scroll past the first, they might not remember to scroll back up and sign up for it, but if they see it a second time, they are more likely to sign up. The other type of call to action that you might have on your homepage is to browse more of your recipes. And so you can easily do this with the other content areas that we already talked about, but things like your links to your category pages or links to popular posts or even just linking to your most recent posts gives them an option to dig into more of your content. And the more pages that someone sees on your site, the more likely they are to remember your blog, to sign up for your email list if they see that in multiple places, or to actually make your recipe. Because sometimes people are looking for something specific and they may not want the first or second recipe that they found on your site. And so getting them to dig around more into your site is always going to be beneficial for not only your user, but for you because it means increased page views and potentially more ad revenue if you're using an ad network. So let's quickly review what your homepage is for and I will quickly run through a few of the areas that you should have or should consider having because again, this is not necessarily the right answer for every single blog, but In my experience of working with many, many food bloggers, these are the areas that I have always showcased on the homepage to help my clients connect better with their audience and really showcase their brand story and what makes their food blog unique. So your homepage should really be showcasing what someone should expect to see on the rest of your site and really give them an idea of what your brand story is and who you are. So you're going to do that through showcasing content like your most recent posts and also your popular posts and blog posts from categories that really highlight and summarize your blog in just a few categories. You're also going to add your personality. You're going to add a photo of you and a little bit of your story and why you are the person to be sharing this content. You're going to add this in to your homepage. And then finally, you are going to have a very clear call to action. You want to make sure that someone does not just exit out of your site without taking action. Things like signing up for your email list or digging into your content further. And since you are going to have those email signup forms on other parts of your site, hopefully eventually they will sign up for your email list. 
Now, if you need support in implementing some of these things that we talked about, then definitely reach out and I would love to help you implement some of these changes onto your site. And I want to really emphasize that updating your homepage does not mean that you are necessarily redoing your entire site. There are often some really simple but effective changes that you can make to your website to really add in this brand story and messaging to your website and ultimately to start connecting more with your audience. In the next few episodes of this little mini series, I'm going to be talking about your sidebar, your recipe index, and then finally your about page. And I'm really excited for these three episodes because I'm going to give you some really easy ways to sort of up-level these different pages or sections of your website that I think are often really forgotten in the food blogging world. So until then, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.